Hope. We are called a people of hope because of what God has done for us. Today marks the first Sunday in Advent, and Advent in its meaning means to wait, to be uh, have a sense of anticipation, of expectancy, just like those Israelites who had the prophets foretold of Jesus coming. There, will be, there is a time when God is going to act. There is a time when God's promises are going to be fulfilled. And they waited and they were expectant. They had a sense of anticipation. And of course, on that first Christmas, those promises are fulfilled in Jesus. And so we, as a people, are actually living between two Christmases. Between that first Christmas, where those that waiting uh, was over, and another Christmas where Jesus again will come, where, G- where the promise of him coming and bringing us into his glory and the everlasting hope we have in an eternal kingdom is, is going to happen. And the waiting for that will then be over. And so we live in this tension between two Christmases. And I love the idea of being expectant. I love the idea of anticipation because I don't know about you, but as I think about, and Anthony mentioned it this morning, the tinsel, the bells, the glitter, the commercialism, if we think about the Christmas, we can, we can go either two ways. We can either think, oh, Lord, let this be over really quickly, <laughs> or, or I'm just in... in what I have to cook and what I have to buy and what I've got to do for the kids and got to get the house in order. And like it can just be all just too much, can't it? And so we can actually lose the beauty of the story of Christmas because we're just so focused on that. Um, and even as we look at words like hope and love and joy and peace, if we just say them over and over again and Christmas comes and Christmas goes, unless it actually impacts the life that we have, they can just become words and they can lose their intense meaning. So we can either hear the Christmas story and go, yeah, yada, 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 yada. Heard that before. Yeah, there's some angels, some shepherds. Yep, wise man, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same story. It makes you know, no difference to my life. Or we can be expectant. Or we can enjoy the season of Advent, of waiting, of anticipation, where we can go, hey, Lord, this Christmas, this year, may I be like those Israelites that were just longing for more of you, longing for you to show up, longing for you to act, longing for you to do something that only you can do. And so in our lives this Christmas, what are we longing for? What are we expectant for? And it's a question I want to ask you. What are you expectant for this Christmas? What are you hoping for? See, I am just wowed by the story of the incarnation. That God 
would choose to become one of us, that God would be with us, that God would lower himself, humble himself, and be born into our world, into our situation, into our grief, into our trials, into our struggles, that he would know us, that he would experience it, and that he'd walk beside us. That is just, that is the miracle of Christmas. And so we can either just lose the miracle in just the wonder of just going through the motions, or we can be expectant. Lord, I pray that this Christmas we'd be expectant for what you're going to do in our lives. Lord, that as we look at the themes of Advent and as we open up the story of Christmas, that we would again be amazed at the miracle of Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, as we uh, look to what it means to be a people of hope, I pray that we would draw closer to you, that we would know you deeper, that Jesus, you, our living hope, would be more real and more evident this year than it has ever been before. And I pray that in your son's mighty name. Amen. So I do want to ask you, what do you hope for? What do you hope for and what do you put your hope in? What do you hope for and what do you put your hope in? Now, if I was to take you out for coffee, um, I'm sure I'd get a certain answer. Or if you're in your life group and you answer those questions, I'm sure you would all sort of do the, the Sunday school answer and say, yes, my hope is in Jesus and I hope for growth and uh, going closer to God every day. Uh, but if we're really honest, if you are asking yourself and you're in your, in your room all by yourself and you're asking the question, what do you hope for and what do you put your hope in, would those really be your answers? Because I think you might be surprised if you're really honest about what you hope for and what you put your hope in. I was uh, at a 40th birthday yesterday and I was both inspired and challenged uh, by the person whose birthday it was who, rather than do a birthday speech, got his family up to sing Jesus all for Jesus and say, my life is all about Jesus. And it's, I put my hope in him. And I was like, wow. But I hope to be more like that. That's what I really hope to be like. I hope that I grow deeper and deeper in relationship with the Lord. That I don't just cruise and just go through the motions, just come to church, go home, go to work, deal with my kids, and the same happens at I hope that my faith journey is going to change and be different tomorrow than it is today. And I, my hope is that we have a church full of people that are just longing to go deeper and deeper in relationship with Jesus. That is my hope. And I put my hope in Jesus for that to happen because I can't <laughs> make it happen. In Job... It says these words, those who forget God have no hope. A man without God is trusting in a spider's web. Everything he counts on will collapse. 
If he counts on his home for security, it won't last. Those who forget God have no hope. Now, I see this in the world around us. Those who move further away from God become more hopeless. Those who forget God or turn from God and his ways lose hope. But the opposite can also be said, that those who come closer to God have more hope. Those who go deeper with God are a people of hope. See, most, the most hopeful people on earth are those who are closest to God. The most hopeless people are those who feel that they're far away from God, that they are without God. And even in our churches, people can feel like they are far from God. But of course, that is the beauty of the Christmas story, that God is not far away. God has come to us. God is here with us. God is not distant. He is not far from us. He is alongside of us. But people without God put their hope in all sorts of things, whether it be politics or a leader, someone to uh, change the circumstances around them. Our hope isn't in someone who is in power, but in the one who had power yet humbled himself and was allowed to be put on a cross. Yet those who forget God have no hope. What happens in a world that forgets God? What does no hope look like? Rick Warren, uh, a few years ago, um, had this quote that I'm about to read. Now, I don't know if Rick Warren thinks much about being prophetic, but as I read this, I want you to think about the times that we currently live in. And this is what he described as a world that forgets God. He says, wealth is idolised, truth is minimised, life is trivialised, abortion is legalised, television is vulgarised, advertising is centralised, everything is commercialised. Our consciences are desensitised and anaesthetised, education is secularised, Races are polarised, free markets are monopolised, morals and ethics are liberalised, crime is sensationalised, immorality is popularised, drugs are legitimised, sin is glamorised, courts are polarised, family breakdown is rationalised, manners are uncivilised, Christians are demonised, and God is marginalised. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear those words, but I just look at the world that we live in now, and that's what a world without God, without hope, looks like. And it's the world in which we live. And if we talk about hope and peace and love and joy and it doesn't do anything to influence the world that we live, then we're just living in a bubble. I want us to think about 
the Christmas story and how it actually affects this world that we live in. Because I think, as I reflect on Christmas, that society in the world actually tries to hide something in Christmas in that the human condition is one of tragedy and sorrow and heartache and trial and guilt and this is something that everyone lives with and so when it comes to Christmas we try and wrap it up and try and hide it but the more we go through Christmas and the more we um, realise that there is family tension, the more we realise that perhaps we are lonely, the more we realise that um, you know, perhaps I have unforgiveness in my life. That Christmas actually reveals the human condition. It actually unveils and unwraps the sense of this human condition that we are in, this hopelessness, this desire for something more, this need of hope and need of a saviour. And so let's take what is the beauty of Christmas and allow it to influence the world in which we live in, the, the lives that we have. So what is hope? Hope is not just optimism. Hope is not just convincing yourself of something to happen that's something that can't happen. You know, if I just hope for something long enough, it doesn't mean I'm not going to make something happen just simply because I hope for it. You know, you might hope for the Crows to win a premiership, but hoping for it isn't going to make it. Now, I say that because I know that some people actually hope for that. Some people long for that. I actually don't care because I'm not interested. But some people hope for something and desire something and... Hoping and just being optimistic and longing for something isn't going to change things, isn't going to necessarily make it happen. The Bible talks about three different types of hope. The first one, as I've just mentioned, is wishful hope. Uh, just, oh, hope this is going to happen, hope it's going to happen. And it's not, it's not grounded in anything apart from our just desire to see it happen. The second would be expectant hope, where there is an expectation that something would happen. And it's based on the past and it's based on the idea that we should assume that something should happen. For example, we put our veggies in this week, we put our tomatoes and our zucchinis in, and I am expectantly hopeful that they will bring about a crop because last year they did um, and the year before they did. However, it's still dependent, isn't it, on water or whether they get beaten by the sun or whether my children's soccer ball knocks them all over. There are still conditions that are at play that don't guarantee what I hope for. And so I'm expectantly hoping, but it's not necessarily guaranteed. And then there is certain hope, hope that is guaranteed. It's a hope in something or someone who is dependable and trustworthy. The Bible says our hope is based on the word of God. Our hope is in God and in Christ alone. I will boast in Christ alone, his righteousness and not my own. I will cling to Christ 
my hope. We sing that. And this certain hope is something that does wonders for us. I've just got a list of things that this type of certain hope does for us. I'm just going to race through this because this isn't the whole point. Hope moves us forward. The, the belief in, in God takes us from this point and it helps us to manoeuvre and to grow uh, in our faith journey. Hope energises the present. The belief of our future hope makes this day worthwhile. Hope brings light in our darkness. John 1, the light has come into the darkness. Hope increases our faith. In fact, faith and hope are very, very intertwined. Hope is infectious. Have you ever been around people of hope who are just like, isn't it infectious? That's, what, that's why in, in Peter it says, be ready with an answer for the hope that you have. As people see the hope and as we are as a people of hope, there's something very uh, infectious about that. Hope is healing. When you are going through trouble, to know that the trouble isn't going to continue forever, that there is going to be an end, is the start to your healing process. Hope is incredibly practical. Hope changes the the day-to-day. Hope purifies. Hope stabilises in the storm. going to come back to that one. And hope defends. Um, I don't know if you've come across the Bible Project. If you're in a a life group and you want to look at uh, a book in the Bible or if you're just doing your own personal devotion, you just want to know kind of the outline of a book in the Bible, what's the meaning, what's the, the, the message in this, who are the main characters, then uh, there's a group called The Bible Project that have done these amazing videos that really help shape and, and give context to uh, the books of the Bible and, and the message of the books. Um, and they've finished uh, doing all of the books of the Bible and just recently they've started to do some uh, word meanings. And they've done uh, recently the Advent word meanings. They've done hope, love, joy and peace. And I just want to show you the one that they've done for hope. Describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the flood waters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. 
The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, At this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better, but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires, and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus, and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope. And they use the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the Apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the elpis of glory. In both cases, this elpis is based on a person, the risen Jesus who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. Pretty cool. There's a lot, lot in that. Um, I want to bring a couple of, of concepts out of that. First of all, the idea of waiting. Most of us don't like to wait, let's be honest. <laughs> and in fact, we, we live in a world that's instant. Um, if we're on the internet and a page doesn't load instantly, we get impatient, don't we? <laughs> in fact, I, I remember dial-up. Remember... Dial-up internet, and sit there, wait for 15 minutes before, before things could happen. 
But we live in a world now that is just, we want things instantly, so we don't like to wait. But I was thinking about the concept of, of waiting. And if we are waiting for something, if we are waiting for something, it means that we are actually not complete. We're actually desiring something to happen. It's like we're missing something. And we don't like to wait because it means that we're of, at want. We're, we're lacking. And we don't like the thought of there's something missing. And as a good man, as a good male, I like to fix things. And this is, the human condition is not something that I can fix. And so I'm waiting for God to do something and because it's something that I can't do. I'm missing it and it's something I can't fix myself, so I'm waiting. And that's the whole point of the Christmas message is that God came to do something that we couldn't do. The wait is over. Jesus is here. The promised one to make everything right again, to save me, to redeem me, to complete me. And now we wait and hope for his coming again to give us that eternal hope. Secondly, and it's what uh, the Bible Project brought up, is what do we hope in? Again, is it ourselves and our abilities or our possessions? Or it's simply hoping that, hoping that circumstances will somehow change? Christian hope is not wishy-washy, positive thinking, you can do it, find the strength within you, puff yourself up, self-help, the power is in you. Christian hope is not wishing or hoping for circumstances to be different or to change. Christian hope is that in unchanging circumstances, there is a God who is trustworthy. In our unchanging circumstances, there is a God who has come to us in Jesus. And he is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says and promised to do. Christmas is about a promise fulfilled, fulfilled by a faithful God. Christmas is about a promise fulfilled, fulfilled by a faithful God. And there are more promises waiting to be fulfilled in your life and in my life. In fact, someone has said that there are 7,000 promises in the Bible. Someone's had a lot of time on their hands to just work through that. 7,000 promises. I don't know if that's true or not, but even if it is. God is a God, though, who is trustworthy and that we look to the past and because God has come through and has done what he says he's going to do, then we can believe that what he says he's going to do in the future, that he is also going to do. And that is what our hope lies in. In Hebrews, it says this, Our great desire is that you'll keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain, certain, that what you hope for will come true. So what it's saying there is, in order for us to see the hope actually transpire and, and come to pass, we actually need to keep moving in the hope and keep living out the gospel. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. I love that sentence. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I do not want to become spiritually dull and indifferent. 
Instead, you are following the example of those who are going to inherit inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. And this is an example of what we're talking about. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you. It's a promise. And I will multiply your descendants beyond number. He says says he's going to do it. Then Abraham hoped. He waited patiently. And because of his hope, he received what God had promised much, much later in his life. Sometimes the promises that God has got for us aren't instant. And that's that waiting, that's that anticipation, that's that hoping. God has got all of eternity to answer his promises. Now, when people take an oath, they call someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself to an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure, certain, that they would that he would never change his mind. God is going to do what he says he's going to do. So God has given both promise and his oath, and these two things are unchangeable. I love this because it is impossible for God to lie. Some people say, what can God not do? You know, God's all-powerful, God's omnipotent, God's... God cannot lie. And so if God is saying he's going to do something, because he can't lie, he is going to do it. Therefore, because of that, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence... We have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And this hope, the hope in what? The hope in ourselves, the hope in circumstances, the optimism. No, the hope in God to act. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Now, I love this um, concept of, of an anchor and voting um, I God talks to me in pictures and I just had this picture of a boat in a harbour and I was reminded of a story. Uh, it was a story that Andy Stanley's told in one of his, um, in his talks that we as a life group looked at uh, as, as blokes. And Andy Stanley uh, told of this story of where he was invited onto a yacht by a friend uh, on a holiday and whilst they were yachting... Uh, the news came through that the weather was going to be turning really, really bad, that there was a storm on the way. And so the owner of the boat found a harbour and anchored the boat in the harbour close to shore. And he said what he did then was absolutely amazing. He swam to shore and he found two boulders that were as big as he could carry and he swam back out again and he attached two boulders to the ropes and out in the ocean on 45-degree angles, he swam out and he dropped the rocks down that were connected to the rope and he tied them to the boat. And then he got two more long ropes and he swam into shore and he tied them to two, the bases of two trees. And, it, and it, so there's not only the anchor, but there was, there was four ropes either side of the boat just holding it, holding it steady. 
And that night the storm came and they sort of slept through it and they woke up in the morning in the calm after the storm and other boats had also come into the harbour because they'd heard of the, the news. But pretty much all of the other boats were all wrecked upon the rocks or sunk or washed up on the beach or upside down because all of the boats had not fully anchored themselves like uh, that boat had. And I think about that as a picture of life. If our life is the boat and the storms are going to come, friends, the storms are going to come, what do we have our hope in? Do we have our hope in the fact that circumstances will change? Oh, maybe the, maybe the storm's not going to be that bad. Maybe, maybe somehow things are going to change. Do we have a hope in the boat, in our life, in our ability to manage things? Or do we have our hope in the deep things, the deep things below the surface? It says that the, the hope is an anchor for our souls. Our souls are the things below the surface, the things unseen, the, the deep things of God. Do I have my hope in that rather than in other things? And I think that there's something that's happening in our society at the moment and I want to call it out. And that is that we have an idol of appearance. We are obsessed with how we look. And we are obsessed with how we make ourselves look to others, we, how we perceive ourselves to look. And as God showed me this picture of, of Hebrews and of our hope being in the anchor, I thought, you know what? We like the look of our boat sometimes. And our hope is in how it appears to other people or how big it is how shiny it is. And sometimes, you know, we say, how are you going? Yeah, I'm okay, but really deep down we're not going okay because we like to, for people to think that we're okay, to think that our appearances are all right. Are we putting our hope in our boats, in how we appear to be on the outside, or are we putting our hope in the anchor? Are we putting our hope in how we look? Or are we putting it in the anchor? I was challenged by that because I, like many of you, like to let people think that things are okay. Yeah, I'm all right. Things are okay when sometimes they're not. And I think we really need to be honest with one another about how things are actually really going beneath the surface. Are we, are we all about the glamour and how our boat looks to other people in the harbour? How often do we actually drop the anchor? And how often do we just rely on our boat sailing around looking good? 
Our hope is in Christ alone. He is the strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So if we go, I'm going to skip through some pictures there. I'll just put that out there. That's that's a chain of an anchor <laughs> on an um, oil tanker. Makes that guy look like a Lego figure, doesn't it? If God wants us to have abundant lives, bigger boats, then we need bigger anchors. There's a big anchor. I think that's, I Googled the biggest anchor and that's what came up. So if we go back to a picture of of Job, where's Job gone? There he is. Those who forget God have no hope. A man without God is trusting in something that is flimsy, something that is not strong, a spider's web, boat. Everything he counts on will collapse. If he counts on his home or his boat for security in the storm, it won't last. I'm just going to leave you with this quote. If your hope is anchored in Jesus, the worst case future scenario, the worst case is resurrection and everlasting life. That's the worst case. Hallelujah. Let us put our hope in Jesus, who is our living hope. Let's sing about that now.